Good evening, everyone. Um, for fuck's sake, I, the link to the um, uh, forum topic um, keeps getting fucking broken in um, um, stupid uh, blog talk. I'm going to have to make a short link, I guess. How do I make one of those fucking tiny links? Anyways. <clears throat> there's the place. Is that working? Anyways, uh, is my podcast even fucking on? Did I lose my... Shit. I lost my dashboard. That's what I get for being so irritated. Totally gone. I don't even know what I did with it. I closed it, I guess. Um, <clears throat> this is going to be an exciting evening. Okay. <clears throat> Let me fix this stupid link and this stupid thing. How does a tiny link exist? I mean, does it exist forever? Anyways, we're going to um, go over the questions that got asked. And um, um, my eyeball is probably going to itch the whole fucking show, and I don't know why. Um, <clears throat> earlier today... Um, I took a nap, and this is and this is relevant because of my cough. Um, and I noticed that when I lay down, I don't cough. But when I'm upright, I'm coughing. I I have no explanation for that, but I'm sure somebody does. <sighs> there is there is no rhyme or reason to my existence. Um, <clears throat> I did get like instantly congested earlier today. I was um I was having a hard time sleeping, and I laid down and got back up and laid down again. When I laid down a second time, I was laying there, and then I went from having just clear, able to breathe to like instantly unable to breathe out my nose, congested. It was really weird. <laughs> Completely TMI. <clears throat> Anyways, um. Um, okay. <clears throat> the first question comes from Desert Poet, um, and she asks, um, do we need to write an established urban fantasy fandom, for example, Harry Potter or Anita Blake, or do we need to build our own world and put fandom characters in it? It is entirely up to you. Like, last night I said that um, during Nano, um, just the pressure of Nano itself um, and the word count is really all the challenge that most people need during that month. Um, so I don't think going all out probably isn't a good idea. You know, I mean, if you, especially if you've never written urban fantasy before. And honestly, Harry Potter is both urban fantasy and not. It is um, it's why fantasy most of the time. Um, it has urban fantasy elements. And I'll explain that later. Um, and uh, so, 
I would pick a fandom I'm comfortable in and insert the paranormal elements required to make it an urban fantasy. That's just my um that's just my approach to the idea. That's how I would do it. Um especially since I have honestly um outside of writing um Harry Potter and um some might say my werewolf book, um, my original werewolf book is urban fantasy, but it's not uh, because it's a paranormal romance and it's set uh, in a small town instead of a large urban city environment. And, and that makes a big difference. Um, and we can discuss the differences between paranormal romance and urban fantasy um, in depth as we get through these questions, um, because it's gonna because um, there is a big difference between the two. Um, if our okay, Lyra asks if our urban fantasy starts drifting towards paranormal romance, is that a problem? Well, yes, it means you fail the challenge. That that I mean. It's not a problem for your story. If it works for your story, you're, you know, do that for your story. But that's not the challenge. The challenge is to write an urban fantasy during Nano. And an urban fantasy is not a paranormal romance. And the difference being is if you have an urban fantasy that has a subplot that's romantic for your main character, if that subplot is removed and your story can stand on its own, then you've created an urban fantasy. If that subplot is integral to your plot, to your main plot, and certain points of your plot can't exist without it, then you've written a paranormal romance. And that's the difference. So when you're preparing to write an urban fantasy novel, um, my goal is to write my exterior plot, and I may or may not have a romance um, during this particular nano. I haven't really decided. But um, what I do know um, is that in order to prevent myself from writing a romance, I'm going to make, I'm either going to have an established pairing or no pairing at all. And when you have an established pairing, it takes a lot of the romance out of it, um, and it becomes... um, because the you can make your plot bigger than their relationship, and that's what's required for an urban fantasy. Um, and I don't have a lot of experience in writing urban fantasy, so to just keep myself on the straight and narrow, I'm going to go in either one of those directions to make sure I don't cross over into paranormal romance, which I am obviously much more comfortable um um, I am considering uh, a, a Harry Potter AU um, set in London. Um, and so let's discuss Harry Potter and the, and the urban fantasy thing. Um, Fix set at Hogwarts in the, in the Harry Potter fandom would not be considered urban fantasy. Because they're not in an urban environment. And the urban environment is city a city. If you have a Harry Potter AU set in London or set in New York, then you're meeting the urban part of the urban fantasy. And it's stopped being just a YA fantasy or a fantasy, and it's turned into um, uh, an urban fantasy. And it's it's all about the environment. It's environment plus um, paranormal element plus characterization. I you know I think yeah Ministry Fix Diagon Alley the Wizardmonot um, all those things um, kind of push into the urban fantasy um, 
elements, but setting a fic at Hogwarts would not meet the urban fantasy requirement. Um, since this podcast was Jilly's idea, I'm blaming her. Oh, credit. I'm giving her the credit. I'm going to put her on the air so she can expound on um, the points that we got cut off on last night in the last... Why is it, during our podcast, Jilly, that the last 45 seconds of the podcast, we develop some kind of weird um, desire to talk about something utterly off-topic and get cut off? Why is that? Um... To build tension for the next podcast, I don't know. <laughs> I think I, I think it's the, I think it's that phenomenon of like I'm running out of time. Was there anything else important to think about? And then it's like you know you kind of caught up in a moment, and then you realize there's a deadline, and you go, "Oh shit! Well, what about all this other stuff that we haven't talked about yet?" <laughs> hilarious, really hilarious. Um, yeah, podcast cliffhangers. <laughs> I have a I have a real life in an hour and ten minutes. <laughs> it's, it's it's not real life yet. <laughs> That's both interesting and kind of sad at the same time. That, that you that you <laughs> that your real life is on the schedule. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that's when the movie starts. Oh, what are you seeing? Guardians of the Galaxy, of course. What else am I going to go see <laughs> this weekend? <laughs> Next weekend it'll be King Arthur. So, Lyra's next question is: Can we write a pulp detective story, aka Philip um, Marlowe, Mike Hammer, Sam Spade, but add magic to the universe? If it's set in the city, absolutely. I mean, that would meet the requirement for an urban fantasy. Yeah, you couldn't do like a, a complicated series of murders at a country estate. Because then it wouldn't be an urban fantasy. Urban being the key word. <laughs> but time, time, you know, time period isn't particularly significant. So you could do historical London. You could do a paranormal, I mean, not paranormal, uh, urban fantasy um, with with um, Sherlock Holmes, um, maybe movie verse or book verse or whatever. As long as you're focused in the city. Do I have a her her last question is Do you have a favorite urban fantasy published novel or series? Do you have a favorite urban fantasy fanfic? Fanfic, um, I have to think about that one. Uh, published, I don't actually read much of the genre. I like paranormal romance and I like suspense. Um, my favorite bar none series of anything is In Death by J.D. Robb, which is a futuristic sci-fi suspense series. So, um, but you could take In Death and give it paranormal elements and it would be an urban fantasy. Just saying. Because again, time period doesn't matter. Looking through the list of common urban fantasy novels and seeing if any of them jump out to me as being like favorites but 
I mean, I like I like um, urban fantasy, but I tend to read more sci-fi than urban fantasy, so that's why I find it to be interesting. But I like a lot of the elements that um, – oh, probably. Oh, yeah, I hadn't considered that. I had uh, – um, I haven't read all of them, but I did start the Southern Vampire Mysteries, and I really enjoyed those. Um I think my favorite series, fantasy though. on TV would be Grimm. Grimm is a lot of fun. I never watched Supernatural. Um, the fandom ruined me. Uh, Wouldn't you say the most, probably the most, I, I haven't, it was never a series that appealed to me personally, so I never really read them. Um, but I think probably one of the best-known urban fantasy series is the Anita Blake verse. Probably. Um, this is going to sound crazy, um, considering it's me, but I read the first book and there was too much sex in it. So um, I never went back. Yeah. <laughs> I like sex as much as the next person, but I don't consider it a plot point. <laughs> It's a characterization point, not a plot point. Um, for me, it's my personal opinion. Buffy is a, a, a good example of a um, a urban fantasy. Um, I think Angel is a better example of an urban fantasy. Because it takes place in L.A. Right. And Sunny, Sunnydale, is, is, they were never real clear about how big that town was. Um, right. It's definitely, it's not a small town. It's suburban. So... <laughs> Yeah, you can get away with probably um, a suburban fantasy. <laughs> Charmed is um, urban fantasy. Charmed. Yeah, that takes place in San Francisco. But again, <coughs> I would say for my favorite TV, it, it, it has to be Grimm. Um, Dark says in the chat room, I want to put my favorite characters on a steampunk airship. and That would be steampunk, not urban fantasy. <laughs> And apparently there is a difference. Because technology you could have a paranormal. Right. You could that you you could now in theory you could have a, a steampunk setting as long as you inter, have a significant urban fantasy as long as it's urban and you introduce the fantasy elements. Right. I would think. I mean, you, the point is you've got a lot of latitude as long as you have it urban and you introduce fantasy. You know, fantasy elements, whether that's paranormal, supernatural. Um, but technology wouldn't be considered paranormal or supernatural. So it couldn't just be a steampunk environment. You would need more. You would need magic. You would need werewolves or vampires or, mag- you know, witches, dragons, demons. You'd need something. <laughs> Now, one of the things, like, um, one of the things I didn't see, like, in the list of urban fantasy young adult stuff, um, I always thought it was interesting. I I think it's probably an oversight the Percy Jackson books aren't um, in that list. Um, Highlander, the TV series, would be urban fantasy, but the first movie probably doesn't make the cut. Yeah, it like flips in between urban fantasy and not. 
I don't think very visiting various cities via an airship would qualify. To be perfectly honest, I think your setting has to be a city. That's what urban fantasy means. Urban. It you need to set your story in a city. So, Desert asks, I'm concerned about making sure that my story is urban fantasy and not paranormal romance. Uh, we discussed that briefly already. I think, for me as a plotter, I'm, I'm just going to um, plot my story without a relationship. And uh, if I do that, if I end up inserting a relationship later, it won't be integral to my plot. And one of the best ways that you can, um, I'm, I'm going to accomplish that is to make sure that none of my characters act solely based on their relationship. Like, say, for instance, um, John and Rodney are in New York and Rodney gets in trouble and John goes to save him. I need his motivations to be not personal. Would John go save Rodney if he wasn't in a relationship with him? Yes. If my answer to that is no, then I'm writing a paranormal romance. Or Well, I think for me it depends upon what the what's happening in New York is how okay. I have to deconstruct that backwards. So, for instance, um, I, my last nano, I would call subversive a, par- uh, a uh, urban fantasy, not a paranormal romance, because the overall the, the there's definitely romance in it, but the overarching plot doesn't have anything to do with the romance. But right. they do have to get together to make the romance to make their plot happen. You know what I mean? So, like. The goal is to take over the werewolf nation, but he has to be mated to do that. So it's sort of like a means to an end, not the point. But the definition of urban fantasy says that you, if you can't remove the romance elements, then you haven't written an urban fantasy. Well, but you can remove the elements, effectively. Um, but the question is, 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 is if, if you just say it happened, if you could, you know, this is just sort of, this way I've always interpreted it, is that if um, if it can happen off screen and not affect the story at all, then even if somebody got married in a story, then it's not it doesn't affect. Oh the come plot. on! You're splitting hairs. <laughs> I don't think it's all that. No. If, if if you can oh, if no, you no. can have John and Rodney get together off screen, and it doesn't affect the plot. Then is but, that a romance? But yours would impact the plot. He has to mate in order for the rest of the plot to happen. Well, that's true. And he can't just mate with anybody. It has to be a a primal thing, right? He, he just can't have a a. a and even, obviously, honestly, even a marriage of convenience would end up being um, integral to the plot. Um, I'm going to fail this yeah, challenge. Yeah, I guess, I guess it's just, I guess, I mean, it is, it is paranormal romance and urban fantasy. There are some areas where they really do, and they do say 90% of their DNA are the same between the two genres. Um, I just, 
have always considered that if the romance is not necessary to the plot, um, I'm not phrasing it well, um, if the romance isn't the point of the plot, rather. I think that so I the romance, the of, any single way, motivates your characters for major plot points. Because that means you can't pull it out and your story be the same. If your plot would fall to pieces without the romantic part of the relationship, then you have a problem. Well, not a problem. You just, you just, you just have a paranormal romance, which is perfectly fine. Yeah. Which is why I think for me, an established pairing would be easier to manage because nothing about their relationship um, being formed is plot related. And or no relationship and then I don't have to worry about it. I don't know. I think it is easier to plot it without the relationship, and if you want a relationship, you add it in. But if we look at even classic mm-hmm. examples of urban of urban fantasy that have relationships evolved during the course of the story, um, there are times the characters do make decisions that are critical based upon the fact that they're in or out of a relationship. But the relationships are not central to the plot overall. But it's like not every yeah. not every yeah. character in an urban fantasy is celibate but it slaps me in the face a little bit because I'm of the opinion that you shouldn't have a subplot that isn't integral so I don't have subplots in my work that don't impact the main plot because what's the fucking point of a subplot that doesn't impact the main plot let's take a a TV show for example so we say we said Grimm and Buffy are classic examples of urban fantasy there's an entire season of Buffy that revolves around well several seasons of Buffy that revolves around her relationship with Angel Um, there are many there's there's a whole bunch of Grimm um, that's devoted to to the gyrations of um, Nick and Juliet eventually Eve Um, so there's whole integral plot points in there that are about the relationship, even though the overall arc of the of the series isn't relationship focused. Well, when it comes to Grimm, I think that really they moved away from the urban fantasy level, um, label in the last season because there's so much of Grimm that was dependent on his relationship with um, Adelaide and his son. Yeah, the last season definitely smacked more of of a romance. But if you talk about the first season, first two seasons, um, the stuff with Juliet was was a significant subplot, even if the overall plot was about him becoming... the show would have still stood. He could have been single right. and the show would have still stood. It would have just been different. But that was just my point. You, so you're, you're, my point was that you can have that stuff as long as it's not 
central to the plot, the, the overall arch of the overall arc of the plot. And you said there's no point in having a subplot that's not integral to your plot. That's just my personal opinion. That's how I've always worked. So it kind of messes with my brain the idea that I would um, plot a whole novel and then insert a relationship after the fact just to satisfy some part of my id that really serves no purpose beyond vanity for me. Hmm, I see your point. Not for anybody else, point. just for me. You know, and it, it, it yeah. kind of messes with me. Um, but I, I think really <clears throat> um, that it's going to be up to you as the writer to de- to determine um, how that's going to work for you. Um, and maybe by the end of Nano, you'll either have an urban fantasy or you will not have an urban fantasy. <laughs> we can have a group meeting at the end of Nano and go, okay, I actually produced a paranormal romance. Raise your hand. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a post-mortem it's like oh dear so if I look, if I look at the three big works I've worked on I think I think I have an example of one that's on one side one that's definitely paranormal romance one that is definitely urban fantasy and one that skates the line that you could argue either so if we, if we say subversive skates the line um, intuitive is urban fantasy and emergence is definitely paranormal romance is how I would classify those in my head. I, don't so I think, think you I can pull the relationship out of intuitive, and it would be st- still hold together. The plot's still going to be the same. Of course, it would, but I would miss the sexual <laughs> We'd miss it, but it would still, <laughs> the, plot, the plot would still be the same. Which the, the, the end goal of the plot is to overturn the restrictive laws about... Um, Psychics in the United States. So, if that's the end goal, if that's the end game, and you can, and the, that that whole arc can happen whether they're fucking or not. Um, I I like it is. better with the relationship, but the plot still holds together if you pull the relationship out. I've never, I've not written an urban fantasy. Why did I let you talk me into this? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why you did. <laughs> I did talk her into it too. But if you pull the relationship out, I think the whole thing falls apart. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a there is a bigger plot, but I don't think it holds together without the relationship. Okay, Penumbria has a question. Confused about Harry Potter. We've we've actually gone over the Harry Potter part already, but I'll go I'll go ahead and um, ask it. Some sources say it doesn't qualify as urban fantasy. Others say only parts of it do. Namely, the part set in London and Surrey. I would debate on Surrey myself. Um, so if a set in Diagon Alley, the Ministry, St. Mungo's, Grimwald Place, it would qualify as long as as Hogwarts. How do you say that? Ottery St. Cat St. Catchpole. Hogsmeade like were kept me. to a minimum, or is it just not qualified overall? I think if you did a um, Harry working as a magical cop, <laughs> <laughs> um, in London, that that would work. Um, uh, but I mean, he doesn't, him mean he doesn't Hogsmeade go to not. Yeah, it doesn't mean he doesn't go other I, places, I, but.
Yeah, he's not, like, confined to London, but it has to be set primarily in a city. Right, so if you're writing a story where Harry is um, taking his place... I would say Torchwood is an urban fantasy. Oh, I agree completely. Even though there's sci-fi elements, it definitely, it has... um, It's definitely all up in the urban side of things. It definitely has paranormal aspects as well. Well, okay, so so somebody in the chat room asked, um, does an urban fantasy have to be set on our world, or is it just a city anywhere so long as fantasy elements are included? Um, Typically, urban fantasy means is that it's set in the real world with fantasy elements, or even significant fantasy elements. When you're talking about another planet... um, That's just science fiction. yeah, I think you've strayed way into the. Even if you've got, even if you mostly have sci-fi elements, even if you mostly have fantasy elements, um, I think you've strayed into sci-fi territory. Or if it's another world with only fantasy elements, I'd say you've strayed to either contemporary fantasy or high fantasy. Um, or high fantasy. Now, can you make it do it in a made-up city in the United States? Or yeah, I mean, I don't see any reason why you can't make up the city name, Gotham, like, Metropolis. I would say- Batman is definitely an urban fantasy. Um, Catwoman. Those are both set in Gotham, fictional cities. Um, Superman, not so much. I don't know why. It doesn't seem... It should, right? Because he's an alien, and that counts as a supernatural element. Um, I don't know. It just doesn't say urban fantasy to my head. But... Batman does. And I have no explanation for that. I think any um, story set in the Torchwood fandom, as long as you have Torchwood canon, that you're that you're hitting an urban fantasy, unless romance is your main plot. Unless you're out in the country. Yeah, and I don't know why Captain Jack would be out in the country unless you know he's being regenerated again. Um. So Wikipedia says this is also on Penumbria's question. The Wikipedia entry says that urban fantasy can also be about aliens coming to town, not just the supernatural. So would the MCU qualifies urban fantasy? Thor, Loki, Chitari. Um, what about Stargate post declassification? If the Asgard and others were around more in public or even in private before declassification became, because that is a masquerade. So under that definition, would Stargate qualify just in general? Um, no. I think Stargate is science fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's set in a small, I mean, Colorado Springs, and most of the settings are off-planet. Um, Atlantis is completely off-planet. You know, there are, there are episodes here and there where they're on Earth, but they're very, very little, very few. Um, I think probably the only episode of Stargate that would qualify as urban fantasy would be Vegas. The, the Las Vegas episode. Which was set or in an when, alternate uh, reality. 
mean, if you have Atlantis sitting in the San Francisco Bay, which was an absurd idea to begin with because you really can't put that there. Um, <laughs> that doesn't work that way. It don't work that way. They did it, but it don't work that way. Um, if you did that, any theoretical, but the thing is, here's the thing. This is just my opinion. Kira is the final arbiter of this kind of thing. If any time in the past that I have t- tried to take an idea I have and fit it and wedge it into a challenge and, and tweak the idea here or there, um, shave off some world building or add this or that thing that doesn't quite make sense with my idea to make it fit a challenge, one of two things happens. One, I'm not happy with it when I start writing it because it feels, doesn't feel like it, it really fits. Or I wish I hadn't done it. And I go back and I either don't ever finish it or I um, go back and put it back the way it would have been if I hadn't made those tweaks to make it fit the challenge. Um, I have really bad luck with not plotting stories to fit the challenge that I'm writing to. So unless I had an idea, a story, and I do have several urban fantasy story ideas already plotted, unless I had one already plotted that um, just happened to perfectly fit, I, I think it's actually a bad idea to try to wedge something in. So could you take, like, somebody take on a Stargate idea they had, and I'm not speaking to the person that asked the question because I don't know what their intent with the question was, but could you take a Stargate idea you had to have it take place on Atlantis, which is technically urban, while it's sitting out in the San Francisco Bay, post-declassification, with aliens running around, and have it qualify as urban fantasy? Well, yeah, probably, but I feel like that, that feels like you're trying to create this tiny little path that you can walk down to write the sci-fi story you wanted to write but call it urban fantasy which really isn't (laughs) the challenge in the end write an urban fantasy novel quit trying to wedge your sci-fi idea into it you know yeah because i'm more comfortable in science fiction to be perfectly honest but you know I, I, i i love werewolves and magic and um but my comfort zone is paranormal romance um, that that's that's my comfort zone is where the romance is the point, and I really like the idea of stretching myself. So the the, the challenge is enough of a stretch. So I'm gonna definitely for myself be sticking with things I know. It's gonna be in um um fantasy. I'm I'm a fantasy a fandom I'm comfortable with. Um, super fantasy elements I'm comfortable with. I'm not gonna be trying to reinvent the wheel in November. September no, because you already challenge. have enough challenge already. In the MCU, MCU? I, I, I think um, yeah. Avengers, Iron Man, Thor gets involved. Captain America, um, Jessica Jones. Uh, what's it, the blind dude? Um, Daredevil? Yeah. Those are definitely urban fantasies. Yeah, especially the whole um, metahuman um, and uh, and or mutant idea that comes along with Marvel. Um, X Men, knock yourself out. Yeah, X Men. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Definitely um, Luke Strange. Cage. <coughs> <coughs> definitely Luke Cage. Um, definitely uh, Deadpool. Yeah. Yeah. 
Especially once you get into that mutant side of things, you're definitely crossed into what I would consider urban fantasy. And for a lot of us, I do think the challenge is going to be not making the romance central. So, so for those of you, here, put your fingers in your ears. For those of you who still want to have a pairing, <laughs> plot, uh, plot, give give yourself a plot, plot it, give yourself a story, and then add the pairing on top of that. I know that's how I'm going to have to do it. I just It just makes me mad. <laughs> or do what Kira's going to do and either have no pairing or do an established relationship. Because it's not very, rom- you know, established relationships, you can make those completely unromantic. <laughs> the main point for me, I think, will be to make sure that my character's motivations um, aren't based on their relationship when it comes to major plot points. Because if they would only do something because they're in that relationship, then it's crossed the line. That means that their romantic relationship is impacting the plot. (coughs) Well... And this is where we don't really agree. Now, if the setup for the plot is based on their relationship, like you can't engage your plot device without the relationship, yeah, that strays into romance for me. But people act differently when they're connected to somebody. So I can't can't divorce the relationship from the plot points and say, would this person have acted the same way if they weren't in the relationship? Well, yes, they probably would have acted differently because people not in a relationship don't consider their partner. So I, I can't divorce it to the degree that you're talking about. Um, but the question is, 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 is the relationship part of the plot device? So if you're... Um, um, well, that's disingenuous, Dart. She says, I think your relationship can impact the plot but not be primary internal or external motivation. Well, then what is it? If it's neither external or internal motivation, then then how is it impacting the plot? I, that, that's, but that's exactly my point. I do think that relationships are a part of a character's internal motivation. But <coughs> if if you could substitute family member for okay, so let's say somebody wants. John to do something. We'll just use John as an example. And they kidnap Rodney to get John's cooperation. Now, if they could they could kidnap John's brother and accomplish the same thing. In which case, they could kidnap Rodney whether he's in a relationship with John or not and accomplish the same thing because Rodney is under John's protection. Right. He's he's part of John's team. John's gone to the wall for Rodney in canon and they're not fucking, that I've seen. And like I'm telling you guys before, if you guys in other countries have gotten different versions of Stargate Atlantis, I expect to get a copy. (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) I'm making an exception for the piracy rule when it comes to that shit. Because if you guys got fucking and I didn't, I I don't even know what to say. Sharing is caring. I'm really upset. (laughs) 
But I do think that a romantic relationship is always, always going to impact your internal motivations, um, for good or bad. But when it comes to external plot points, if you can't pull that romantic relationship out and those external plot points still happen, then you've not accomplished an urban fantasy per the definition. I read a um, story um, in CIS where um, Gibbs didn't want to be in a relationship with Tony because he didn't think that their personal relation that it, that it would impact um, him and make it difficult for him to function if Tony was wounded in the line of duty or if, you know if, if something happened and Tony was in danger that it would make it difficult. And Tony was like, "Are you saying it wouldn't be difficult now?" <laughs> Come on! If if you already have these feelings, then yes, it it, it doesn't matter if you're actually doing the deed or not. <clears throat> Those feelings are already there. Yeah. Now, here, Dawn, here's where I'm going to part with you on that. Eve thing. She said Eve would solve crimes with or without Rourke. Rourke just streamlines and de-stresses. I think that at this point in Eve Dallas's life, if she didn't have Rourke, she wouldn't be a cop. She'd have burned out. Because she was on the edge in book one. She was on the edge of burning out completely, um, mentally and emotionally. Um, and the only personal connection she had was Mavis. And at this point, she just, she wouldn't have anything left because the entrance of Rourke into her life also brought other people into her life, not just him. I mean, she, he, her world exploded around her. Her career, I mean, everything, everything that happened to um, Eve in that first book, if Rourke hadn't been there, would have been the end of her. So I don't think she would have been the um, been a cop long term after if if Rourke hadn't happened, because he opened up her world. He he expanded her, um, and he taught her how to love other people, to let Mira in, to let. Um, Nadine of all people in, you know, and that wouldn't have happened. She was she was on the path of self destruction, as 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 Lady Holder just said. I don't think they would have let her. That's the point I'm making. That she would have been. That it would have literally. She would be literally incapable of doing her job if she hadn't opened herself up to other people, and Rourke was the um, evidence of that. Maybe somebody else could have done it for her, 
but as it stands in the series, Rourke did it. He opened her up. And I just don't know. I've been sitting here reading this. Somebody asked, uh, I was reading this, uh, this author's post. Somebody asked her if she could give them the difference between urban fantasy and contemporary fantasy. Um, and uh, it was a long rambly thing where she kind of never really um, says anything. But she does basically talk about contemporary, she more talks about contemporary fantasy versus high fantasy. Um then she talks about urban fantasy versus contemporary fantasy. But in the end, her her analogy is urban fantasy is Twilight and Harry Potter is contemporary fantasy. And I would actually challenge that definition. Um, and here's why. Most of Twilight doesn't happen in a big town. And I know it's held up as this big example of urban fantasy. It's like everybody's like the urban fantasy craze really took off with Twilight. But based upon this one person's argument of what is contemporary fantasy, Twilight doesn't count. And there's a lot happening in the woods and out in fields, and the town that they're from is actually small. Even I though call it bo- urban fantasy. Even Wikipedia calls it urban fantasy. It's supposed. To, it's like every. It, I mean, I've been to so many sites that you know herald it as being you know one of the things that caused urban fantasy to take off. Urban fantasy is not a romance genre. Um, it can be, but it's not always, and that's the difference. In, urban fantasy is normally categorized as paranormal romance. Um, if it has if it's in the romance genre. Um, but there are plenty of urban fantasies that are absolutely not a romance. It's sort of like urban fantasy would be the, I would gather, based upon the way it's described, is that urban fantasy is the higher level genre and paranormal romance would be a subset. But maybe not, I don't know. Because Wikipedia is really clear about that they're, that they're about 90% the same, but the difference is that urban fantasy focuses on issues outside of the relationship, whereas a paranormal romance focuses on the relationship between two characters. Yeah, Dres- um, the Dresden Files isn't a romance, but it's definitely an right. urban fantasy. I would definitely say that Spider-Man is an urban fantasy and not a romance. Despite the various teenage relationships he manages to get himself into. Based upon the strict definition of fantasy, a very strict definition of fantasy elements in an urban setting, a lot of things that are held up as urban fantasy aren't, or at least they are only partially urban fantasy or only occasionally urban fantasy. But when it comes to what you're going to write in November and as you're stewing on your plots and coming up with ideas, um, just 
you're the only the author. You you as the author, are the only person who is going to be able to determine if you met the challenge. Do you feel what you wrote was an urban fantasy? If you do, that's all that needs to be said. For the challenge, I linked to the Wikipedia article. Um, and that's all I'm going to do as far as definitions go because I'm not going to hold people's hands. I use my womb for fury and malcontent. I don't actually have any children. <laughs> that's it. I'm in the same boat. I don't think I'm going to make it. <laughs> Unless I eliminate the romance, like I'm probably going to fail. That is absolutely true. But I'm going to try. Um, uh, I do have an idea. Um, uh, but I also have the same the same idea for uh, July, so I don't know where I'm going to use it. Uh, it will just depend on um, the, uh, I guess, I'm going to write it down and plot it out and, and just see how it plays better, whether it plays better as a series or as a novel. <laughs> I'd like to write a series um, or a, my idea would be to write Harry as an unspeakable Um and just had him going through his his everyday job, doing his job as an unspeakable. Um, and I'm not sure if um, that might actually work better as a series for July versus an, a, a novel. I could see that. That unless there's some overarching... Um, because you could have an overarching plot for a series that's more like 200,000 yeah. words or something. But if you wanted something more contained, 50,000 words. Um, oh, wait. Is, is is Harry Potter not one of our options for Battle of the Five? It's not. Oh, well, that solves that problem, Claire. <laughs> I noticed eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is she talking about? We're sitting here talking about how Harry Potter could fit. <laughs> it's not one of the five fandoms, is it? <clears throat> what are the five fandoms? I am I am terrible. Listen to me. Um, Criminal Minds. Um, uh, I had to go look. NCIS. NCIS. I, can't, I can't believe Supernatural, Teen Wolf, and um, Stargate. Stargate. I don't know why we 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 made a list of fandoms for the five fandoms. Um, we went through the um, rough trades from the past and um, picked the most popular ones outside of Harry Potter. Um, outside of Harry Potter, because we're picking things that were TV shows that lent themselves. To thinking in to a series mindset, the episode format, because these are all shows, TV shows, and they all have an episode format for people to mimic, as far as the um, challenge goes. Which um, 
would be very difficult in a novel series like Harry Potter for people to mimic, which is why um, neither Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit um, is featured in our <laughs> Battle of the Five Phantoms. Because neither one of them lean themselves towards the the TV format. So that's the point of those five fandoms. They're all TV shows um, that were that yes. have showed popularity in the challenge. And we were trying to give we picked TV shows to give guidance of um, <coughs> what an episode looks like in in the fandom of your choice. And you can also do anything within. The, that fandom's universe. So you could do Stargate or Stargate Atlantis. You could do NCIS or NCIS New Orleans, you know. But you just sign up with the macro fandom. But anyway, I'm trying to give you things that pit, that gave, but some people took it a little too literally. And so the, we got a lot of questions about, do I have to write within the established episodes of NCIS or, or Criminal Minds or whatever? And the answer is unequivocally no. You're not parroting the episodes. The point is to write your own. Do you have to write a virtual episode, like a virtual case file for NCIS. No, definitely not. You can cross over with practically any fandom that you would like. Um, I don't have a preference, but keep in mind that your word count maximum per episode is 15K. Um, And I find, I personally, as you all know, would find it very difficult to stick Harry Potter in another fandom at 15K. (laughs) I would bust out of that challenge at 40K in the first episode. It would be ridiculous. <laughs> and there she goes. <laughs> <laughs> I fail. My bad. I'll just post it in three parts. <laughs> so, but yeah, you could cross over Harry Potter with any of the fandoms that are currently attached, but your main fandom must be one of the five that um, that are part of the challenge. Um so you could write Supernatural and Harry Potter or Teen Wolf and Harry Potter or Stargate and Harry Potter. Maybe Harry decides fuck her if he goes to Atlantis. <laughs> or Criminal Minds Hannibal. Oh, my God. <laughs> you can totally write that, Annie, but I'm not sure I'll be able to read it because I'm already freaked out. <laughs> <clears throat> <laughs> but I guess I will be writing a Harry Potter novel maybe in November. Who knows? I was also thinking um, to make my life more difficult that I might try to pants it. But I'm not sure. Sh- if, 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 if I pants that shit, I'm totally going to fail the challenge. There's absolutely no way. <clears throat> I have my stunned face on right now. I mean, you can't see that shit. But when she said <laughs> I might try to pants it, it was like <laughs> my expression sort of froze. I was like, she's got to be kidding. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not going to make it. <laughs> I've pants. I can do it. I've got examples on my website of me having pants. The fuck out of a Harry Potter romance. <laughs> That's one thing I'm pretty confident about. Is that something that needs to be plot driven is not something I can pants. I can pants a romance. I can't pl- pants a plot. Because I will give myself giant plot holes, and I'll be two. You know, it'll be one weekend, two posts in, or something, and I'll be sitting there going. I hate this. There's all these plot holes. <laughs> Look, one of the reasons why I'm not particularly interested in outright giving you a definition of what I think urban fantasy is, um, 
beyond the fact that I'm, you know, not interested in micromanaging you guys at that level during November, is also I feel like what's written on urban fantasy is general enough for everybody to work with. And I am, for those of you who don't know it, I have a great, I have OCD. And let me tell you a perfect example of my OCD. When we wrote the, um, when we did the challenge where you had to write from a single character point of view, a lot of you failed that going out of the gate. I'm not trying to be mean. It's the truth. I clicked on two or three different stories during that challenge and found you bitches head hopping like motherfuckers and I had to close all of your stories because I got so mad that uh, sometimes it was in the first part that you just totally failed uh, it's like you, I don't know if you didn't understand what the single character um, POV was or you just pretended you understood and you just and I realized that I was really inappropriately angry over this failure <laughs> So I decided not to do that to myself again. So I'm not going to give you um, challenges that are that specific ever again. Because um, one story in particular I was really looking forward to reading, and I opened it up, and there were three different character points of view in the first fucking chapter. And I thought to myself, this is so disrespectful. She didn't even try. (laughs) (laughs) And there has, I don't think there's any challenge that we have talked about as much as we did that one because people had so many questions about the single point of view. How hard it was. I did it. I'm still doing it. Dracula Lowell is still being told from one person's point of view. Harry is the only point of view you're getting in Dracula Lowell. Um, and it was really difficult for me and that was also part of it I had no idea how restrictive that would be until I tried to do it and I hated it Um, and then to have people in the challenge who didn't even try it was really really deeply insulting and I'm like okay fuck it I can't I can't no so I'm not going to micromanage um, the challenge by giving you a strict criteria by which you must write your novel. Because it'll just stress me out and piss me off um, and, 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 uh, in a really irrational way. Because I know that not a single person in the challenge set out to insult me personally with their inability to do it. It's just I have this OCD that I have to deal with and manage, and this is how I'm going to manage it when it when it comes to rough trade. So I'm not going to give you um, any definition beyond what's on our what's on Wikipedia. <coughs> and if you fail the challenge, so, then it's totally so, on you. So then you you'll be the arbiter of whether or not you meet the definition as per Wikipedia. And if somebody says you didn't, you, you're the one that has to make your case. And nobody, I'm not going to call you on it. Kira's not going to call you on it. You know, so you're the one who has to get to the end of the challenge and feel like you met the challenge or not. And if you get to the end of the challenge and what you have is a paranormal romance, you know what you also have? A finished novel. So go edit it and deal. (laughs) Put it up. (coughs) Because nothing else is really, it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter. I mean, um, yes, it's a challenge and 
that's the point. You try to meet that challenge, but your failure is personal um, and not a reflection on anybody else. So don't don't sweat it. <laughs> that is exactly what the what OCD is. But usually it's not just one wrong thing. Actually, one wrong thing will cause greater obsession than multiple wrong things. Because if there's a room with just one wrong thing in it, yes, I will obsess on it. Because I will fix that one wrong thing, damn it. But if there's 50 things wrong, <laughs> it's like I will just sit here in my discomfort. <laughs> So this is an unfortunate truth. If 50 people write an urban fantasy novel and one person write a crime drama, I'm probably going to obsess a little. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm going to I'm I'm going to notice. I'm going to notice. Um Someone's pointing out that Nano is a challenge to write a complete story. Yes, that's the Nano challenge. And if people want to just write a complete story and they don't want to write the Rough Trade challenge, they can sign up and write over on Nano. They don't have to write That's right. Um, Rough Trade's challenge coincides with Nano because um, I just thought that would be uh, – well, it started out as a Nano challenge. Um, just it was called Naked Nano, and that's what we did. Um, but if you don't want to ride an urban fantasy, you don't have to participate in Rough Trade because that's what Rough Trade is um, a specific challenge, um, but it's not required. Yeah. So if you really don't like the idea of writing an urban fantasy, you don't have to. You can write your um, paranormal romance over on the Wild Hair Project if you want to. Or you can just keep it on your own computer and participate in a cabin or a chat room over on there. You have options. You are not nobody forcing anybody to do anything they don't want to do. Um, there you go. Okay. I'll make sure I was right about that. <laughs> Google is my best friend. Um, posting to Facebook pisses me off because people shared my shit. And I, 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 I can't explain it. It just made me mad. <clears throat> But, uh, no, I mean, you know, pre-Mulligan, some people got kind of pissed because they didn't qualify to participate um, in April, and it was a little disconcerting. Um, Because I didn't know, I didn't know quite what to do with that. I I still don't know quite what to do with that, because... um, Rough Trade's a private site, 
and it's neither required nor a guarantee. Signups are open, but there are several people who are not welcome to participate on RT, and they know who they are. So, I don't know. Now, unlike some of, as put, unlike some other challenges, there are challenges that happen in other writing groups or whatever, where. Um, <coughs> Failure to complete a challenge or failure to complete a percentage of a challenge or whatever disqualifies you for future participation. Um, pretty much as far as I know, the only thing that disqualifies you from participating in Rough Radio, if you completely flop in a challenge, it doesn't mean anything to anybody but you. Um, bad behavior is what disqualifies you yeah. from participating Being in a challenge. Being an abusive asshole is how you get And that can be in comments. Um that can be by not warning appropriately. Um, because early on, very early on in the challenge, I had someone post a graphic rape on RT and did not warn for it. And I kicked them off the site immediately, and they are not welcome to return. This is this is actually when it was still Naked Nano. Um, and they're still not welcome to return. And that's been quite a few years. They're never welcome and they're not welcome. I mean, they don't even come near me as far as I know, unless they've changed everything <laughs> and made an entirely new internet identity just to talk to me. <clears throat> and either moved or gotten a VPN account. Yeah, because I banned them IP-wise. Um, and um, no, this is this is before the fic where someone abused my OC and that's an entirely different matter and that's not why he was banned from RT that's just pure ass terrible behavior but um <clears throat> not that I appreciated that whole abusing my my OC but that's not why he was banned from RT or my Facebook or Wild Hair or my website that's an entirely different matter <clears throat> Because, you know, I'm at that age, I've been at this age for quite a while, actually, where I don't feel the need to tolerate people who mistreat me um, or who feel like they're perfectly um, able to verbally abuse me um, when they're angry and then I just have to forgive them when they calm down. That's not how I operate. Um, when I was a young woman I was a very forgiving person um, but I grew up and I outgrew that shit and um, you can say forgiveness is a mature trait if you want but I don't happen to buy that excuse of he didn't mean it. He was just angry. No. She didn't mean it. She was just upset. Oh, fuck that and fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Just for real. Forgiveness is not an easy thing, and I have to be really invested in somebody to make that effort. So if I don't know you well and I'm not really invested in you, um, and you fuck me over... 
I, I'm not going to put any more energy into trying to deal with you. I'm certainly not forgiving you. You know, it's interesting that you say that, Claire. Forgiveness is a choice, not an obligation. You'd be amazed at how many people I encounter on a regular basis who believe that when someone receives an apology, they are obligated to forgive the person who's giving the apology. And I'm like, no, <laughs> that's not how that shit works on a bet. <laughs> Apologies are supposed to be um, an expression of the offender's contrition, not an expectation of an of forgiveness. So when someone turns around and goes, "My forgiven," it's sort of like, "Well, you must not have been very sincere, <laughs> because you were expecting something back for that apology." I don't know, you know. So I have been um, hit a couple times in fandom because of my. Um, my stance on tolerating abusive people and also banning people from my website if they got out of line with me. Um, One going so far as to say that um, it was arrogant for me to try to limit people's access to me. (laughs) That's like telling me I can't lock my fucking front door. Because online, my home is my website. That's my house. You, You... you guys are playing around with and reading shit on and RT is part of my house and um, it's like my library and while here's my patio and you guys are you guys are on my shit so for you to tell me that I can't say that somebody can't be in my space um, that I can't do that that I can't tell someone to not come around me um, that's just terribly What's the word I'm looking for here? Intrusive? It's intrusive. It's entitled. Um, it's it's also, it's incredibly selfish. Because I thought that people are saying when they say that is that they want, they want you to leave um, plenty of room for them to misbehave and not have to suffer consequences for it. Right. And for the record, I'm not capable of violating anybody's free speech rights because I'm not the government. <laughs> and if you don't understand what that means, you take your ass over to um, Wikipedia and look it up. <laughs> I've been accused of that too for you know for the way I monitor feedback on Rough Trade and, and Wild Hair. <clears throat> but um, oh, you terrible person. You're entitled to your opinion, but you're not entitled to actually put your opinion on my shit without my permission. Ta-da. Life lesson. (laughs) But (coughs) to get back to it, Dawn, I just don't want to um, focus so myopically on the definition of urban fantasy that it puts people off and makes them not want to participate or to even try. Because this is um, a challenge for people. And it's going to be a challenge for me. Um, And the more restrictions you put on a challenge, the more stressful and the more... um, 
intimidating the, the challenge can be. And that's not what Rough Trade is about. Rough Trade is about um, opening yourself up as a writer and opening yourself up to um, new ideas and new methods and new genres and new fandoms and just really exploring yourself as a writer. And the last thing that you need when you're trying to explore um, your craft is to be highly restricted. And so each of the challenges are designed to challenge you, but not to defeat you. So I hope that makes sense. That's my intent. Is it is it time for your movie? Um, I'll hang up about five minutes, I think. Um, but, but, yeah, I, mean, I think that I think that uh, if we if if the challenge were, um, can you imagine how miserable you'd be if we was like the challenge is to write um, urban fantasy um, in first person past tense um, and to include um, an unreliable narrator. Um, <laughs> Then I spend the next six months defining an unreliable narrator. Sorry. <laughs> I would never suggest that challenge because I actually can't stand unreliable narrator stories, but, you know, whatever. Um, My rare exception for that is the Amelia Peabody series. Because what's really yeah, funny about Amelia Peabody is that she, she she does lie to you as the reader, but she's lying to herself, too. <laughs> She totally still thinks she's spry as fuck, and her husband and her, and her son's a grown man, and she had him in her thirties. So she's so she's hitting the the backside of fifty, sixty, um, th- throughout these books, and she's still acting like she's twenty something. <laughs> well, the best unreliable narrators um, are the ones who believe what they're saying. I mean, those are the that, the, the the very best unreliable narrators, and and, that's, and the, you know you find out through another point of view that how unreliable they really are. Um, <laughs> but she's great. I highly recommend you read um, the Amelia Peabody series by um, Elizabeth Peters. Uh, it is um, it is an addictive series, so please don't pick up the first book until you have money to buy the, the next five. Because <laughs> you'll just be mad at yourself, or you'll be over at the library stalking people trying to get um, the other books. Don't ask Amelia that because she'll tell you that 60 is the new 20 because she's hilarious. She'll be like, oh, I'm so young and beautiful as she's sitting there dyeing her hair pretending she isn't. I just need a little help. (laughs) But as a wreck, I don't normally um, enjoy a character I can't trust, to be honest with me. Right, exactly. But can you imagine if the challenge was that restrictive, that you had a point of view and a genre challenge, and you had to do, um, or, or some 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 sort of um, <coughs> device like an un- unreliable narrator or um, a nonlinear narrative, or I mean, you know, it, it just it just adds so much complication that it's just you you want to try one or two, one, you know, challenge you want to challenge yourself or be challenged, but not make it miserable because you're you're posting a rough draft you know you're naked out there it's naked writing and that is for some people the biggest stumbling block a lot of people on rough trade are really comfortable in the format now but please keep in mind that every rough trade um there's somebody who may be new 
to the whole process, who doesn't know anything about it, who um, is posting their rough work for the very first time in public. And I have to keep them in mind, too. I have to balance new participants with established participants to make sure that, um, that yes, I'm, I'm, I'm challenging people who are perfectly capable of posting the rough draft and not having a nervous breakdown, while I'm also nurturing someone who has never done this before. Because so I'm off to my date with Star Lord. I wish you all the best. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> Say hi to Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. <clears throat> but I always want to make sure that I um, create a challenge that um, won't intimidate a new writer completely to the point where they won't be willing to post. And also I am super comfortable posting my work online. You might have noticed (laughs) there are people who are petrified of the idea of posting online. And a lot of times, um, we encounter people on Rough Trade who left fandom um, but came back because, um, but left because they were being mistreated by uh, other readers, and they and they encounter Rough Trade, where um, I have a very restrictive uh, feedback policy. Um, and Claire just says that without Rough Trade, she might never might not have ever posted again anything ever. Um, and there are plenty of writers that who only participate in Rough Trade, which is where Wild Hair came from, because I wanted to give people who are on Rough Trade an outlet to post where they would be safe. But if they're not comfortable posting on AO3 or on their own website for whatever reason, um, and so I try to make sure that. I keep in mind um, that not every writer on Rough Trade is where I am um, as far as confidence goes, um, as far as skill goes, experience goes. Um, And so I want Rough Trade to be inclusive. Uh, (coughs) Hey, Lady Alter. Hello. How's your life? How's your so life? far, so good. My my life was actually quite interesting last night. We had a um, family over and played cards and found out that the new Uno deck that we got had some new interesting things to screw everybody over and proceeded to do that gleefully to various family members for about two and a half hours. Thankfully, we all actually like each other. um, Urban fantasy. You know, when I think about urban fantasy, (coughs) I think about um, uh, Mercedes Lackey's serrated edge novels. I think about her Diana Treegard novels. There's occasionally um, elements of romance in there, but the romance isn't the, the central point. You know, and those those are, are um, those are what what pops to mind when I think about them. Did you read either of those? Just out of curiosity. I don't read Mercedes Lackey. Oh God, I shouldn't have been drinking. Really? Why? <laughs> I don't want to discuss it. 
okay, well, that's fine. But for those it's, people it's, who it's do, not, I just don't like her. I I I just don't like her style, and I, I don't want to bash. Um, okay, uh, but there there are plenty of artists out there that I just don't like. Um, the way they move, um, as far as the narrative goes, and I find it very annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, but it's not personal to to her. I don't know her, obviously. Um, it's not a reflection mm-hmm. on her writing uh, because it's her actual writing is, is fine. I just don't like her style. Turn her phrase. <laughs> I'm a very picky reader. <clears throat> and also, yeah, I've been listening to you cough. I've been wanting to get your cough drop. Urban fantasy just isn't my thing. Yeah. I mean, I... I'm I getting a cough drop. It was at a stage... Good. I was at a... <laughs> it was at a stage where I had been reading everything Mercedes Lackey had written at that point, which meant that I stumbled across her Diana Treegard stuff. And she eventually stopped writing those. And there were only three three books in the series. And she had apparently planned on doing more. But it was early on in the whole um, occult uh, urban fantasy time period before everything really took off and somebody got really invested and really creepy and she shelved it because this person, I don't remember if Mercedes said that they showed up at her house or not, but they got a little too close. And so, you know, I was, that comes to mind every time that particular series comes up, but yeah. It's also why I think I'm, as soon as somebody mentioned the whole, you know, keep yourself private, I did. Lessons learned. But the urban fantasy portion of it, um, none of the three books really have romances. None of them are. There's an offhanded mention of one. Like, this book turned into a romance. But it wasn't the central driving force. There was a mystery. It had to happen. You know, this is the the mysteries that had to be solved. Things went on. Is that what you're talking about? As far as um, an established relationship? Yeah, I think that. Um, yeah, I think that's probably the route I'll have to go. I just don't know um, what I'm going to do with it. Uh, I'm probably going to fail. <laughs> just. I'm not going to make it. <laughs> Although I had considered, and I had told um, Julie this, that I had considered um, a sequel to my word baby. That would be great. Because it already has an established relationship, and I could focus on um, Harry's job. And my word baby, for those of you who mm-hmm. don't know, is um, Courting Hermione Granger. That's totally my word baby. Mm-hmm. Um and I could write a case fic because uh, mm-hmm. he's he's based in London and um, he's the head he's the head magical cop, <laughs> mm-hmm. or or <laughs> whatever, right? <laughs> um, and um, that would be uh, fairly easy for me to do to, to to write a sequel to that. Okay. 
Well, it would work. I mean, and honestly, even the romance, um, while the romance is, is there, it, in this case, it would not be the central driving scene because you can also have a secondary... Wouldn't, wouldn't it be a well, secondary story? I think that's the one with... In the romance, so. Yeah, but I'm thinking the secondary story would be Hermione's... Um, thing that she's got going. Yeah, the um the origin of magic. Um mm-hmm. And then there's the baby. And there's the baby. And it's, that's that's my word baby, I have to say. I'm 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 deeply attached to that story. I still wish I was writing it. Which <laughs> <laughs> makes no sense you can, something. you know. I know, but you know, a sequel. It'd be four hundred k. I never write anything else again. <coughs> um, <coughs> yeah. Yeah, that would definitely. Um... Yeah, you'd definitely be involved in that one for a long time, or at least. To the exclusion of all else. Um, I've been thinking about it as you've been, you and Jilly were talking about it, and I'm trying to figure out what I want to do. And, you know, it's um, most of the fandoms I write in aren't technically urban in some ways. I mean, What's your go-to Stargate, Stargate, and then followed closely by Harry Potter. And you do tend to go towards the um, the school era, um, uh-huh. Harry Potter. Uh-huh. I've written outside of it, but. You know. I'll have to I have to figure it out. I could also write NCIS. Then I'd actually have to learn the geography of Washington DC. Hmm. Contemplations here. <clears throat> Figure out how I wanted well, to do things. If you do NCIS, um, you could um, do shifters. I could, and actually, that was a thought that I was thinking about. Um, Raven says I mean, because... uh, people always die in Rock Creek Park, so you could use that. <laughs> You're dumping crap. <laughs> you want to do bodies. <laughs> Thank you. Hmm. Something to think about. So you got werewolf, vampire. Mm-hmm. We can also go um, elves. Yeah. 
do the trifecta of magical creatures. Hmm. I don't know. Something to think about. Okay, just out of curiosity, where the hell is Rock Creek Park? What are you interested in writing? That's the problem. I wasn't even thinking about it. I was kind of obsessing over over July. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen in July. I don't even know. I might just, I might pants July. Do you, do you think I could do it? The silence is deadly. Oh, she hung up on me. I've been hung up on. Oh, my God. You guys are my witnesses. I can do it. Don't look all disbelieving, Zan. I could pants a series. Totally pants a series. <laughs> Sorry about that. I had an alarm go off on my phone and I hit the wrong button. <laughs> <clears throat> Um, the crazy thing is, is I could probably pants a series too, considering I'm a lot more pantser than, than anybody really, than I deal with most. Well, no, wait a second. I outline somewhat. I wing it. You're still pantser than you are plotter. Oh, yes, most decidedly. I am not going to kill the damn tea lady. She plots by the same ah. pants. <laughs> yeah, she's seen my plot documents. They're skimpy as hell. <laughs> okay, so if I did, if well, I now did I one, feel challenged, pro- man. Now I feel like I have to do it. Now I feel like I have to, I have to pass the fuck out of July. It's gonna be a hundred k, and it'll be your fault. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll enjoy every second of reading it too. Um. Okay. So I'm not even going to pick a this. fandom. I will pick a fandom the day I sign up for the challenge. Oh, you, God, are you insane? <laughs> <sighs> yeah, Barb has seen me sit there and write. <laughs> okay, so let's do this. We're going to do NCIS. And um, next race team. Let's see. Gibbs. 
That's Nano. This is July. I can do whatever the hell I want to myself in July. Oh, I'm doing urban, the urban fantasy thing. So, you know, unless That's I'm supposed Nano. to be, you know, panting that one up. Yeah. Urban. July is the series okay. part. I have no damn clue what I'm doing there. Um, Me neither. I'm going to pants it, like I said. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, I'm just... I'm going to dedicate to you, too, okay. Zan. <laughs> mm. Okay. Uh, I'm going to call it The Chronicles of Idor Spike <laughs> I'm just kidding I wouldn't actually do that to you <laughs> Yes and have it be nothing like Spike Out of the uh, uh, Buffy um, Series because you know You're not going that far <sighs> Let's see um, let's see. Well, to be <laughs> honest, ladies in the chat room, that is a lot of dick looking for a wet place to spend the night. <laughs> <laughs> That is a legitimate concern they should have had on the show. Uh Uh-huh. And did not have, obviously. Why would they? That would make sense. I think Elizabeth Weir in canon and in... um, um, in my own writing is um she has a uh what what sticks out in my brain mostly about um Elizabeth is that she's she purposely isolates herself um mm-hmm. and she divorces herself from emotion um she divorced herself from actually breaking up with her boyfriend um, to leave the fucking planet. Uh, yeah, that she, was... She disdains emotional commitment. And this is the things I see in her canon behavior, not something that I <coughs> am injecting to her character as a writer. These are just things that I see in her in canon. Um, mm-hmm. She also has a superiority complex. She treats every right. single person on Atlantis like they're her child. Yeah, one that she needs to put in the timeout routinely. And what might have been, she doesn't even appear, Rogue. She joined an ascension cult in Pegasus and never came home. <laughs> That's why we're here. The only good weir I've ever really written um, is Lantean Legacy. Um, and Sentinels of Atlantis. Mm-hmm. She 
she is a control freak, I think, and um, um, and that's the parts that I like too. I do like Jessica Steen, and when I write Elizabeth Weir as awesome, she's always Jessica Steen, and when I write her as um, crazy neurotic uh, control freak, I write um, Tori Higgins. Mm-hmm. She is condescending, and she, you know, so. (laughs) Didn't know Elizabeth could use a fucking drink, just saying. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. Okay, so so far I'm going to do, I think I'm just going to do the urban fantasy where everybody is something, and I've decided I'm not going to stick to any one universe's idea of um, the supernatural. Although it's going to be before... um, Ari, and I've called Tim the wear puppy. <laughs> oh, God, that's going to be great. Um, is it harder <laughs> to twist her good or make her worse? It is easier to make Elizabeth a bad guy. Oh, God, so I think Lady Holder can attest to this. Um, it is more <laughs> difficult um, because I do think in canon she's kind of an asshole, and it's harder for me to redeem an asshole, a, a canon asshole, than it is to um, not, if you, if you know what I mean. So it's actually more difficult. One of the reasons why I gave um, Elizabeth a relationship in Sentinels of Atlantis is because I feel like Simon tempers. Elizabeth and centers her and humanizes her. Um, and I'm actually, I, one of the problems I had with Lantian Legacy is I was having a hard time humanizing Elizabeth, which is why she wasn't on screen a lot and why I gave her um, a little hint at a relationship with Ann Teldy at the end of this, at the show, at the end of the book, the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do with that. And, um, also, um, there's a hint that there could be something with Patrick Shepard as well, because I need mm-hmm. to, and this is not something that I would normally do with a female character, but I need to give her a romantic relationship to humanize her for me. This is like my personal headcanon. For me, my problem is is not writing her as crazy as a, as a shithouse rat. Right, that's um, what I'm getting at, that I, that, I, that I have to give her some kind of emotional um um, touchstone to dehumanizer. Who is the hardest asshole you ever twisted? Snape. Hmm. 
writing um, him as decent and child of magic is going to tax me like no other. Y'all. Yeah, from what little I know you that I've, or from what I've seen of that, it's going to be very difficult for you to do that. But what I had to do was make him a victim of Dumbledore. Well, yeah. <laughs> even Canon maybe is a bit of a victim of Dumbledore. Everybody's a victim of Dumbledore and Canon. Yes, this is true. No, you can't because it's the other one. What am I doing? Okay, so there is a feral cat that comes by my house pretty much nightly. And he's sweet and he's white and he's creamy. I've nicknamed him Casper. He just showed up for food. (laughs) I put a little food out for him. Are you trying to take him let live his life? He's already let me pick him up. He may be my third cat. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's it. I know why Kate and Tony didn't get along. She's a rare cat. She's a cat. She's a dog. <laughs> well, no. Um, Tony is a werewolf, which is kind of funny considering the man manscapes. Um, but Kate is a cat. And Tim is the puppy who they both beat up on. <laughs> so. I agree, Dark. That's why I read that one, that one, that one, um, why can't you say show? That one story, um, duality, mm-hmm. where literally practically all of Britain is Dumbledore's victim. <laughs> yeah. One way or another. One way or the other. Um. <laughs> yeah, he really does. Well, you can even say that Canon Dumbledore is responsible for um, the darkness that Grindelwald spread. That probably infect. That probably um, increased the danger of the pure blood movement, which spawned Voldemort. And if Dumbledore has stood up to Grindelwald. When he could have, when he should have, when it first started, but that, that the magical world would have been a different place. So you can lay all that at his feet. <sighs> I remember re- um, talking about Battle of the Five, five Fandoms. Um, I don't know if I want to do NCIS or Teen Wolf. I think I've been staying away from Teen Wolf for a reason because I'll co-opt it and do something with it. Hmm. Make it your bitch. Come on now. I'm tempted to put the actual, you know, stuff I'm trying to write for Trophic in there. Oh. Which would not hmm. be good. Yes. Mm. So. Although I have to tell you, I have been tempted to write fanfic of my own profic. 
Hmm. Yeah, I I totally get that. Oh. Okay. Mm. NCAS Stargate. Those are the two I'm most comfortable in, other than Teen Wolf. And that's only because it's werewolves. Hmm. I wouldn't mind doing a magic AU of um, NCIS. Okay. Now, is this would this be for July or November? November. Okay. Because I'm not planning anything for July. I'm not even picking my fandom until the day I sign up, Zan. Uh, have you got your? Have you got the um? Uh, what the hell is that thing called? Um, a set of dice or whatever, so that way you can you know roll for it. Yeah, probably. I, I I definitely would do that. Maybe I'll put some ideas in a hat. Oh boy. Dark, if it is a, um, and they tell you not to do this, but I tend to put um, petroleum jelly on burns. It helps a lot. Vaseline. They they tell you not mm-hmm. to do it, but if you don't have an open wound, I think Vaseline is the best thing you can put on a burn. It protects the skin. It's soothing. Just saying. My grandma always did it, and it didn't hurt me. I'm in my 40s, just as... <laughs> it's just this is... But mm-hmm. no, no, I'm not picking anything out for July until July. Well, until the end of June. Hmm. June 15, I'm going to decide. I'll... Zan? Maybe I'll do a fusion? I don't know. Oh, things to decide, things to decide. (laughs) Oh, if I wrote, if I knew a damn thing about Buffy. There's as much as Buffy has its own um, canon. You can probably get away with doing just about anything in that one. <laughs> I mean, seriously. You know, I'm seri- I'm actually kind of surprised nobody's written what would be a mashup between Lord of the Flies and and Harry Potter. Lord of the Flies gave me nightmares. Gave me nightmares too. But although really, if you think yeah. about it, fifth year could be an AU. <laughs> oh Lord oh my God! <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that covers. That would definitely cover a good chunk of it. Yeah. 
Hmm. Ah. <laughs> uh, Barb, can you find the link for that one? <laughs> yeah. Yes. I am a John Rodney shipper from. I like John Rodney just as much as that's my mother. I prefer those. That's two. my OTP. That's my OTP. Yeah, I. The thing though is, is I kind of like Ian Tony, you know, for the, the the combination of the two. Steve Tony is great. I think I'm equal opportunity on those two. Steve Tony could be the mothership. I have to say, um, it is Julie's mothership. Um, I like it, but I it's like a nice Tony. mothership. Um, I, I like Tony Ian too. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Azure's trying to get your attention. Yes, but that was when I was young and naive. I really actually enjoyed writing Laura Cadman and John Shepard. Um, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. But um, that was before I hit McShep. I didn't know McShep existed. And I found out. Behold, now that you know, yes. And a shipper was born. You can blame Astolot. <laughs> I don't no, think literally. I blame her. I actually, I think I want to say thank you. Or you can give her credit. Either way, I don't know, I don't know how she'd feel about it, um, whether or not it was a good thing or a bad thing, but it's Astolot's fault. Time in a Bottle yeah, was my introduction to, Mc, to McShep, and I fell in love. Oh, I was shipping Rodney with Evan Lorne. I didn't know any better. <laughs> I didn't miss the heart-shaped ass. I was just giving it to the wrong man. <laughs> Oh, I don't even know what got my attention on them anymore. It's just, huh. Yeah, but Tyler Ball was my introduction to Mick Shep, and I, um, wow, wow. Hmm. So, um, I posted Battle Ready, which is book which was episode uh-huh. six in my oh, my coffee series today. And someone who has not read my Rodney McKay, um, John Shepard fic, they're a het reader. Mm-hmm. Um and they're on my site for Harry Potter actually. And they had had tooled over to read my het series with Rodney being a girl. Um mm-hmm. and, and and commented today that John's kind of possessive. No, like kind of. He's no different than he was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they don't read. They, they don't read that. They had no idea what they were getting Point. into. <laughs> and I was like, oh. I can write John as as um, protective, possessive, sexually dominant, intense. Uh huh. They 
they weren't quite ready for that coming out of my Harry Potter fix. Really? Considering that mm. you've got Harry as being possessive and rather dominant, too. Not really. Not really. Well, compared to John, not so much, but, you know. I mean, and, he, and they don't read the Slash either for Harry Potter, so they haven't seen him in um, um, Dracula Lowell. They haven't seen him in uh, War Mages. And um, the, the Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond, he's actually really... Um, Mild-mannered? Not mild-mannered, but he's he's definitely um, soft, gentle, and and romantic, tender. His Sirius called him <laughs> in one scene that that, there, that there's a tenderness about him, um, and that's not evident in any of the other. Um, yeah, that Hermione was doing the rimming. <laughs> mm-hmm. I remember what sparked that one. <laughs> Yeah, and that did actually get some maidenly va- um, vapors from that particular reader, actually. Um, oh, for they the were a little shocked. Silly people. But um, I actually do want to write a Dom Harry. I, I, I would like to write him as um, uh, just now, a hardcore a sadist like John is and, and ties it behind. Huh? Well, you, 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 you um, hinted at him doming Hermione in that one. Yeah, um, her secret, but I'm talking like hardcore, like John and ties that bind. Huh. And in, in, in her secret, he's he's willing to explore it for her. It isn't something that he would have come to on his own. Point. Even if he is a little toppy, personality-wise, um, as far as like actually spanking his wife. I don't think that he would have if she hadn't taken them down that path in, in, in that particular story. With Hermione or Draco, why would I limit myself? <laughs> why can't he have both, Zan? I'm all for him having both. Harry shouldn't have to choose. But no, I have, I have, um, I, I have considered a ties to bind um, a you for Harry Potter, which is why I would never give anybody else permission to write that in my universe. Although I did recently oh, um, have a chat with a writer about doing a Jag version of ties to bind, um, and so they already have their plot worked out. We'll see how Ooh. the writing goes. Oh my! Yeah, I would definitely have Harry trained at Desaad, um if I wrote him. Um, Hermione would be La, La Petite Mort. Um, I okay. think I would have Draco trained at um, the Lau House in um, the, the Lau? L-L-I-E-U um, the, Everhouse. Yeah. Lou, Lou, the, the Lau. One, yeah. yeah. I, think, I don't know how to I, I see Draco as a hedonist. Um, cool. Yes, as a matter of fact, AJ is a dom in that particular outline, but we don't want to pressure the writer who's going to be doing it so we don't get to ask for anything. Yes, the one where Carson trains. Um, that's where I would train Draco as a... Um, but I also really considered making him a dragon geisha. Well, he's got the fire for it. He does. And also it appeals to me because Draco, dragon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
No. Um, and I would, I think Hermione would train in France. <coughs> um, probably at, um, at La, La Petite more. Um, and it's just, I don't know. I have an idea in my head percolating. Can I add more coffee to it? <laughs> it perks a little faster. It'll get there. <sighs> But I kind of see um, the whole thing with um, Harry being dominant and them not expecting him to be, and it really changing. So they um, broken. Well, they 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 just really didn't anticipate um, Harry being a dom, no. um, and they also didn't anticipate how that would impact his life with the Dursleys, because. Um, in the, in the ties that bond universe, child abuse like that would be met with oh, that severe consequences. So there is no way in hell that anybody trained in the Pleasure House, and Petunia would have been, because her sister was, um, mm-hmm. would risk her own mark to mistreat her nephew. It's a whole different ballgame. Anyway, we're down to a minute. And I'm going to try to do podcasts more regularly. Um, I know I say that all the time, but I kind of mean it. Um, uh, <coughs> maybe I won't cough through the next one too much. Yeah, well. I could, uh, maybe if I did it laying down. But I don't know you guys want to take you all to bed with me. Just saying. Just Anyways, saying. Yeah. I'll catch you guys later. Um and um, you guys have a great week. Say good night, Lady Holder. Good night. <laughs>